from the dark web to your radio dial. You are listening to CyberTalk Radio on News 1200 WOAI. Welcome to CyberTalk Radio. I'm your host, Brent Pyatt, a 20-year internet security veteran. And this week, we're going to be talking with the uh, CyberWire Network for the second time and the uh, founder there, Nigel LeBlanc. Nigel, thank you for joining us. Brett, thank you so much for having me back and having CyberWire Network back. Yes. Appreciate that. So, headline for this one, you guys have um, a Cognitive Cyber Talent Scout coming out? The yeah. first one? Yes, we do. Okay, so that sounds really complicated. And so, explain it to me, uh, and, and then uh, if, we, if I get stuck, we'll explain it to the audience. Okay. So, um, as you know, in the industry, there is a lack of cyber talent, right? So if you have universities, you have professional sports teams, you know, they all have these scouting agencies and they go down looking for the top talent, right? Yes. So um, when we met the first time, we talked about validating knowledge, skills and abilities, right? So since then, we've, um, you know, essentially taken that package and then also doing a, you know, comprehensive skills gap analysis. And then we've created what we're essentially labeling, you know, um, uh, talent scout or or cyber skill sentinels. And um, due to the platform now, we're actually, you know, we've created these bots and the machine learning to go out and find those um, those talent pipelines. So, if I, I think about this, and I think the the whole job market, and we talked about this last time, the the there's skilled people out there that have struggled to find a job. There's employers saying they can't find skilled candidates. This whole thing is a, a gigantic mess. Um, so let me go through some of the, the things that happen in the, the market today and uh, help our listeners understand how the cyberware network and, and the way that you're approaching this with the scouting is going to change things. So if I'm out there looking for a job, I go take my my resume and I go upload it to a bunch of job sites and I hope someone finds it. Um, or I go to a job site and I find a whole bunch of jobs and I then apply for all of them and I blast my resume out to a bunch of people and I sit around and pray that that they think I'm a match. I read it. I thought I was a match, but a lot of people apply and maybe they aren't a match and they just flood into that recruiting department's inbox. So how how does what you guys are working on change the, that process that's going on today? So everything that you just described is, you know, pretty much predicated on based um, on the applicant tracking system. All right. That is the essential core to the entire job market and jobs industry. All right. Um, if you look at it from a technology or, a, you know, somewhat data science perspective, right? You know, it's a, it's a, it's a glorified words, word searcher, right? Or, you know, keywords. Yeah. So, um, you know, you're looking to be able to match up a particular candidate based on the density of keywords and how well they've structured a, you know, a, a resume or some type of narrative about yeah, this. I mean, I get the feeling that, that no one in a recruiting department and if you're out there listening and you, you work in recruiting, uh, no one actually reads resumes anymore. I feel like the, the recruiting departments get a, a word cloud of people and it says that you're a 72% match for this job. And somewhere after that, that match you talked about, maybe then they'll look at the resume, but the resume doesn't get looked at up front. Interesting that you mentioned that. So um, a recent study just showed, and if you go on a website, you can get the um, the, the link to that. Um, recruiters spend an average of six seconds browsing through resumes. Yeah. And that's after the applicant tracking system has picked it up to determine if that person is a good fit just to get an interview. So yes, it's it's a pretty daunting task. So 
so how do you make a decision in six seconds on if someone's qualified for a position or not? I mean, how do you even read more than somebody's like name and I mean, how many words can you read in six seconds? It doesn't feel like a lot. Nope, sure doesn't. You know, they're hoping that the applicant tracking system will sift through, you know, the noise, and then they're then they're looking for the keywords. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the the tracking system sorts the noise. They spend six seconds looking at the resume. I guess they're scanning it to find your email. Your email address should be in the tracking system where they then schedule a phone screen with you or something. And then in a, a 15 minute phone call, they're going to find out if you can do cybersecurity or not. All depends on the organization. So you, you're looking from a, you know, anywhere from a startup to a scale up, you know, the, yeah. the next step may be just a, a personality quote unquote interview type of, you know, session, or it may be this pretty long process where you have to go through, you know, the hiring managers and subject matter experts to determine your, you know, your skill set and how much you're a fit to the company culture and how well you're aligned with their mission. So as you're saying, you'll go through, I mean, potentially, yes, yeah, some companies will do technical interviews, but let's, I, for companies that don't or, or can't screen, because maybe you're the first cybersecurity hire they're making, or uh, they, the, the folks that are doing the cybersecurity work, they say they're too busy to be involved in the interviewing process. So Recruiters, I guess, at that point, and the the HR team that's trying to help the, this hiring manager fill the role is are, they're looking for industry certification. So I mean, they they talk to a candidate and say, "Do you go take these three tests and come back to us when you passed?" Or uh, so, what's wrong with uh, the industry certifications for validating skills to to work for a specific company? Um, so I, I think the key word is skill in in really you know determining cyber skill sets, right? Yeah. Um, when you look at the educational requirements, the certifications, these are all prerequisites that employers are using to de-risk their hires, right? Um, and these are based on either accredited institutions or just, um, you know, uh, organizations that have built a reputation in order to go out. Now, yeah. if you're asking an HR person who has no idea about cybersecurity, then all they have to go by is whatever is being presented by the hiring managers, right? And the hiring managers essentially will probably do your day to day and they're, they're probably part of the subject matter expert team that will kind of interview the, um, you know, the talent or the would be talent. Um, so that presents a significant a difficulty yeah. in, in for the for the recruiters and the HR person. Right. So how do we go out and we attract the right talent? you know, using these keywords, and then how do we compete with everybody else who's looking for that talent? So we're going to use all of the same keywords that, you know, another company or whatever is trending on on um, some type of website, be it Indeed or whatever it is, right? And then you're asking these um, non-technical recruiters to make a decision about a pipeline that will come in and do things that are all based on not not just the education or what they can prove with a certification, but also hands-on keyboard experience, right? Yeah. So, so uh, as you're working on this platform and, and pipeline, so what are you doing after you find these candidates to to prove their their skills and abilities? So that's where our platform comes in. Um, we had to find, you know, in in all of the our feedback and talking with employers, we had to find a way to not only um, validate the skill sets, but also talent discovery. Right. Um, you know, with going back to what we talked about in terms of keywords and applicant tracking systems is how do we find this untapped um, uh, discovery pipelines? Right. And then how do we bring them into the fold? So what we've done is we've taken this game. 
you know, we've partnered with this company and essentially think about it as the call of duty for for ethical hackers, right? Okay. It's a pretty cool and immersive game and which we're calling Cyber Wraith. And um, we have embedded our our um, algorithm, our cyber sentinels or the cognitive scouts that we talked about, right? Yeah. And essentially what we're doing is we're validating hands-on keyboard experience while the players go through the games. And then we're taking that and then we're, we're comparing that to an employer's need. And then we're matching that up, you know, based on the employer's need and what the students are doing, or I should say the gamers are doing um, within the game. Yeah. So, so you have people playing a, a cybersecurity game uh, and during their play, you're able to track, monitor, and measure their skills and performance. Yes. So just like this goes back, it's all making sense. It's starting to make sense to the host. I'm a little slow. Uh, but just like talent scouts, you're going to go watch kids play a football game or whatever else, and you're or baseball, and you're going to measure their performance and see how they did in certain things. And if you just look at the box score, which is kind of effectively the resume, it's like how many yards did they rush for and the rest of these things, you might go, you know what, that running back, based off of his stats, is is twice as good as his other running back. But what you, you may not see is that, the offensive line that the the one running back had was amazing and made it really easy for them to run, and they're not actually even as good as the other person who had to run around and create all their own space for them themselves. So just looking at resumes and seeing number of years of experience and certain certifications, you're not going to see how that player actually performed in this because you don't know all of the, the things around them uh, when they're, they're in the game. Exactly. So I think you, you hit the nail on the head here. I mean, if you have a scenario, and, and by the way, within the game, um, there are different structures. So a, a player get, um, comes into the game, they're, um, they're met immediately with a storyline, and essentially they're joining the organization, right? And then there's an AI that will walk them through the academy. So before they, they even move on to the missions, we are taking people who have um, little to no cybersecurity experience, right, on the ethical hacking side. And then we're walking them through the process and teaching them the tools and all of that. Now, to your point, um, you know, uh, when you talk about validating skill sets, right, and, and when I say that, we're also encompassing knowledge, skills, and abilities, right? So to go back to your analogy about the running back, you have a playbook, you will, you'll understand the rules of the game, and then you, but yeah. you are presented with different scenarios at any one given time within the game, right? So how are you going to execute those if you're working under pressure, if it's you know a two-minute drill or, or whatever it is? So we, that's where the cognitive portion comes in. We're taking this three-dimensional three approach to it, and then we're validate, validating the skill sets as they progress within the game. And then if, you know, take for example, you, we have multiple pipelines. You may be looking for somebody with a particular skill set, right? So let's say um, an employer is looking for someone who has um, uh, experience within cloud infrastructure, right? So it's really hard to capture that on by just looking at a resume because you don't see how well they perform with these scenarios. Now, inside the game itself, there is um, there is there's three portions. So you have the academy, then you have the real world missions. And then there's two subsets inside the game where you also have external feedback and external challenges. One is bounties, which is like, you know, the regular bounties where, where an organization or even people can submit um, challenges. But another one is called um, uh, uh, open live, right? So essentially within that, we have the ability to, to um, reenact real world scenarios that happen, right? And see how well these, these guys perform um, within that secure uh, setting. 
You're listening to 1200 WAI. This is Cyber Talk Radio, and we're talking about the Cyber Warrior Network, a uh, startup a cybersecurity company headquartered here in San Antonio, Texas. And I'm speaking with uh, Nigel LeBlanc, one of the uh, the founder there, um, and he's uh, been on the program in the past. We talked uh, with them, uh, gosh, back in in 2017, uh, probably a. Uh, in the, during the first year of the program, uh, if uh, you're new to CyberTalk Radio, uh, we're uh, a weekly show uh, covering uh, all things about cybersecurity uh, and uh, a bit about entrepreneurship as well because we're trying to encourage more cybersecurity professionals to uh, take the leap like Nigel has and uh, decide to start up a business uh, themselves, uh, whether you're uh, helping people figure out how to get into the cybersecurity world and measure skills or whether you're going to go build a set of software to solve problems uh, there's many different uh, things uh, out there as uh, possibilities for folks uh, if you build up a set of cybersecurity skills and uh, will uh, want to go put them to work uh, during your day job. If you're going to be able to stick with us uh, here either on iHeartRadio streaming uh, or on the t- uh, 1200 AM uh, in likely your, your automobile, uh, we'll be uh, continuing to discuss this for the uh, remainder of the hour. If you uh, won't be able to stick with us, uh, you can listen to the rebroadcast of this it'll go up on our website on tuesday october the 1st www.cybertalkradio.com it'll also go out there to uh, all the podcasting services all across the internet and if you would uh, love to see a still photo of nigel and i uh, you can uh, check out our youtube channel uh, no we don't do live video uh, the host is uh, too busy being distracted behind the microphone uh, generally inside the studio in order for uh, us, I would create a real editing problem for our producers to uh, to switch on over to video. So, Nigel, when I think about uh, cybersecurity games, um, like uh, we've and we've we've had a bunch of folks from Cyber Patriot um, on the program uh, as part of the the organization. So, for listeners that have not heard about that, it's a team sport for cybersecurity for middle school and high school kids, or the uh, the Collegiate Cyber Defense Cup, or stuff like the Capture the Flag at DEFCON, or these other Capture the Flag uh, type competitions that are, are out there. How is what uh, you guys are working on different from uh, from those those sports or those uh, different competitive cybersecurity things? A few ways. So first, um, most of these competitions are um, essentially hosted within some type of Linux or DOS looking, Yeah. right? Um, you know, we have a truly immersive cyber warfare game, you know, essentially think about think about this as the call of duty. Like I said, the call of duty for ethical hacking. Right. Yeah. Um, there is a pretty cool storyline. Um, you know, players can um, uh, expect to be thrown into a mission um, from the onset, even through the, the training academy. Um, you know, that's just kind of prerequisites to the missions. Um, we're using um, existing existing tools. Um, you know, stuff that um, you know is has been declassified by the various three yeah, agencies. I think about this. I think like this sounds a lot like military mission prep and training. Yes. Yeah. Here's a scenario. You're going to run through it. We're going to run through it and see how quickly and how accurately you can accomplish everything. And then if you're good, then we'll do it a few more times to make sure that when it's really stressful, you're still able to do it. And if you're not good, then we'll figure out where you've got to go work. And maybe you end up doing submissions that practice that certain skill over and over some more. So in the game, it's 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 a little bit of like a Mission Impossible and, you know, the, the military side, right? Yeah. I mean, you get to hack into drones and you also get to hack into cell phones, cell towers. Um, but, you know, the, the purpose and, and our mission here is to like, you know, to develop these um, these skills pipelines, right, is to take the the learning 
uh, opportunity and make that into a fun and immersive way, right? Um, you know, going back to the question that you ask in terms of um, how are we different, the similarities that we do have um, is that, you know, we, you can either play on a team versus other teams, or you can, you can play, um, you know, as solo, right? Yeah. Now, um, Brett, as, as you know, setting up a cyber range is very expensive, right? Yes. Requires a lot of, a lot of man hours, a lot of time, a lot of money. Um, less expensive than football stadiums for school administrators out there. Please build a cyber training ground for your cyber Patriot students in your school district. It's, it's less than a locker room. It costs less than a football stadium costs less than all those things. And there's many more career opportunities for cybersecurity professionals than there are football players. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, and to Sorry, that's my soapbox. I have to hop on all the time. I can't uh, every time. And it is, it, it's hundreds of thousands of dollars, maybe millions of dollars, depending on how much you want to build it out. But it's not the $70 million stadium the school district in Katy build. Exactly. Right. Um, I mean, in, in to your point, we we ran an analysis and I think it's right around what the average cost is about one point six million for a, a true cyber range. Right. Yeah. Um, one of the things that makes us different is that we have the ability, um, kind of like in the military, to launch these virtual ranges at a fraction of that cost, also at a fraction of the time. And, and we also have the ability to do something which is, you know, inside of the game, it's called hive minds. So think about it as a zipper and nipper net, right? Yep. So uh, uh, for, for the listeners who are not familiar with the military, it's um, essentially public or private, right? So the private side could be hosted within inter-organizational, right? So in, inside their domain or whatever it is, inside their firewalls, or it could also be an external private Right? I know it's kind of like oxymoron, but if you want to invite specific talent and, yeah. and, and look at them, then they have the ability to do that. Um, another thing that makes us um, different is the fact that we have the cognitive skills engine behind that. So we are actually validating skill sets while they're playing the game. And then we also come back with a cognitive skills gap analysis of saying, hey, you did great on this mission or you did great here. If you are um, looking for a job or an opportunity, if you beefed up your skills here, you know, that opens you up for 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 more um, job opportunities. Or if it's just an educational path, here are some of the um, the information that you may need or some of the resources to go out and get these skill sets. Right. So we rack and stack um, every player within a particular skills pipeline based on how they, they go out and fulfill these missions. Yeah. And uh, if for, for listeners out there on the, the high school side of things, uh, there is one high school in this area I'll plug on the radio here too, Cast Tech, that they, they actually do pep rallies for their Cyber Patriot team before the matches. So I'm not aware of any other high school doing that, even some of the, the schools we have in the area that have sent uh, teams uh, through the state-level finals and through to the uh, national competition, uh, national finals for it each year in Washington, D.C., I think I'm not aware of any other. So any coaches or team uh, members of those other schools, if if your school runs a pep rally for Cyber Patriot, let us know on Facebook or Twitter at Cyber Talk Radio. I'd love to give you a plug on the air as well. Uh, so as, as you guys are, are, are putting this together, so you've got uh, these uh, programs you can set up, training, uh, and if I'm a, a business, I can go in and, and look at people that have played the game and – uh, from there, matched up with my job descriptions, you guys are helping me identify who are the right candidates that are going to be successful. Potentially, I could use this to identify hidden cyber talent inside my organization. So I don't even have to go as I'm, I'm my brain's noodling away on this in the background as, as we're on the air here. Um, 
if I'm struggling to hire cybersecurity talent, I might have somebody in a in an IT help desk role or a customer service role or somewhere else that actually has the skills to um, excel in a harder to fill job position for me. And I don't even know that they're already inside my building. Absolutely. So b- before I jump into that point, um, you mentioned about these pep rally rallies, yeah. right? So you know, as as we we move forward and and you know the way our society is is kind of um, set up right now. Um, you know, these collegiate sports, the football, the basketball, you know, they get all this attention, right? And we really have cyber athletes, right? Um, so with the emergence of esports and all that, I, yeah, today, you know. Today they're all playing Fortnite. Exactly. Or Dota or maybe League of Legends. Um, they're not playing. They're playing games just right. like basketball and football are a, a game. They're not playing a game that actually applies to real skills that we need to use on a day-to-day basis either exactly so uh, wholeheartedly we at cyber we in network um echo exactly what you've been saying yeah. you know it's it's time to sh- shine some light on um on our our people who are engaged in you know cybersecurity and just pretty much learning you know so we've we've just you know utilize the game to create that environment but that needs to be um you know that definitely needs to be touted from the rooftops now to go back to the question that you asked right yeah so um Absolutely. Uh, not only does our platform afford the opportunity to go outside and do talent discovery, but if you, you know, there's various programs about discovering talent inside of your organization and then also kind of repurposing people within that. Right. So one of the the um, biggest reasons why people may leave a job and this this um, absolutely includes cybersecurity professionals as well. Right. Is that they feel that they're not challenged enough or or they want a different opportunity. Yeah. All right. So we we may or employers may have people with the basic skill sets or the understanding who can be repurposed into cyber warriors. Yeah. No, I pick on football a whole bunch, but um, it's Texas. So I do pay attention to it as well. Yeah. You see this. It's uh, f- football players at the collegiate level are transferring around more more now than ever to to be able to find a, a, a role there where they have an opportunity to play. Even if they're going to need to sit out a year, they're still doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, yeah, you, you see that in the workplace. I mean, we read all these studies and stats about uh, workplace engagement being well below 50 percent um, and highly disengaged employees like these are people that are potentially up to actively malicious inside your business. They're so burned out and don't want to work that um, they're causing direct harm. Uh, and and this could get fixed by getting folks into roles where they have that opportunity to uh, show up every day and uh, do good quality work that they're going to be proud of themselves. Because like, I, mean, I don't know anyone who wakes up in the, the morning and looks themselves in the mirror and goes, you know what, I want to go into work today and do a terrible job and fail and make all of my coworkers upset with me and uh, just wreck things. I mean, like, there's the Joker in the movies, but other than that, no one really wakes up in the morning and, and says that in front of themselves in the mirror. They go, I want to come in and be... Uh, a valued member of a winning team on an inspiring mission. Yeah, yeah. I think I think the saying goes, um, "Idle hands does the devil's work," or something like yeah. that. So I, even and we see this even on the um, on the contracting side, right? Um, you know, if if you have a candidate who has a particular security clearance, you know, they'll get hired just so that the, you know these companies won't lose the opportunity to you know get the billable hours for that clearance, and then they'll sit for a year, year and a half while they gain some type of um, you know, organizational knowledge, right? And training. So you're absolutely right. Yeah. No butts in seats. Yes. That's a terrible way to do things should be results based, but that's a, a whole separate story about, a 
government procurement and the way things could be done more efficiently there. But employers do it all the time, too. They're like, and especially if you're running a security operations center, it takes uh, six warm bodies to fill a chair 24 7. Mm-hmm. Uh, people take vacations, they uh, have weekends off and those sort of things. So, if, yeah, you're looking for an analyst and you've got a regulatory or legal requirement to fill that chair 24 7, uh, you're going to be doing whatever you can do to, to get somebody in there that, that can check the boxes so that you uh, don't end up with a big fine or fee out there. So we're going to take a, a break here on CyberTalk Radio for a news, traffic, and weather update at the bottom of the hour. If you are uh, listening uh, via our recording uh, on your favorite streaming service across the internet, uh, we'll skip that news, traffic, and weather update uh, as uh, we cannot uh, predict the future and uh, change that weather forecast for the uh, time you choose to listen to our our program. Uh, So we will, with that, we will be uh, right back here after that bottom of the hour break. Welcome back to CyberTalk Radio. I'm your host, Brett Pyatt, a 20-year internet security veteran. And I'm talking with Nigel LeBlanc, the founder of the Cyber Warrior Network, uh, here on the program this week. If you uh, just uh, hopped in your car right now and you're listening to us on 1200 AM, thank you for tuning in. Uh, You can catch uh, the first half of our program. Uh, It'll go up on our website on Tuesday, October the 1st, www.cybertalkradio.com. It'll also go out all across the uh, internet on all the podcasting services out there. And if you have a favorite podcasting service where you do not find our program, let us know on Facebook or Twitter at CyberTalk Radio. We'll fix that and we will get you a CyberTalk Radio t-shirt. The only other way to get a t-shirt is to come uh, join us as a guest on the program. So if you uh, are interested in that, uh, there's a a forum on our website where you can uh, let us know you would uh, like to be a a guest and come down and uh, talk cybersecurity uh, with us and uh, get your your message out to our audience and uh, hopefully help uh, you out there in the the listening audience learn uh, a few things about what's going on uh, in our cybersecurity community here or uh, in uh, cybersecurity threats out there uh, across the globe. Uh, So uh, with this, uh, Nigel, is is we've been uh, uh, chatting a little bit during the bottom of the hour break. So um, I realized I don't think we actually mentioned the uh, the name of the the, the game that's going to be kind of behind this um, cyber uh, training. The name of the game is uh, Cyber Wraith, right? Um, and it's it's also the the, the actual name of the uh, the esports league or the competitive league that we're we're going to be building. But the actual game developers um, is Allison Smith and their company out of uh, Montreal, and they've been at this for a while. Um, currently they're about, uh, over a little bit over 10,000 people playing the game. Um, and they've won, um, a, a few awards, uh, based on what they've developed in the game and they're constantly building content and new challenges within the game. So, so for, uh, what you guys are doing with the cyber wraith and cyber wire network specifically. So you, uh, I guess here in, in September, uh, for members of the cyber dev dojo, uh, they had a, a chance to, uh, try out, uh, a beta yes. of, of what y'all are, are working on. Uh, and for listeners that don't know what the cyber dev dojo is, uh, we, uh, had them on the program as well. So check out, uh, those archives I mentioned here at the start of this segment, uh, and you can uh, listen and learn more about the cyber dev dojo, but it's, a uh, a big group of cybersecurity professionals in, in San Antonio. So uh, you were able to give them access to a, a beta. Um, how are you guys thinking about scheduling uh, to go to kind of a more open beta or o- open access for folks to be able to sign up? 
So right now we're working with high schools and universities, um, you know, particularly to, to get um, uh, folks onto the game and then build the actual um, the tournaments and um, essentially the league, the first structure of, of the league itself. Um, we, we are opening it up to, you know, just the regular folks who are job hunting as well so they yeah. can see the benefits of the platform. Um, however, that's, you know, that's a different segment of our, um, I guess, our, our user um, ent entire pipeline, so to speak. Um, now, we are working with employers, you know, essentially, let me just kind of walk you through the customer process here. Um, essentially, we can take any URL from any um, uh, job posting website or we can just get um, uh, we can just get, you know, the text from any of the, the, the jobs that the employer wants filled. And then we take that and we match that to all of the missions, um, you know, that would build those pipelines within the game, right? Um, uh, what we're doing uh, in our private beta is we are working with employers um, to create essentially a data dictionary uh, for cybersecurity job profiles. And then we can take that information and port it back into the game uh, in two ways. Um, for educators, um, we are taking the actual job profiles and the knowledge, skills, and abilities that they're looking for, and then we are um, packaging that in a way for um, for educators to be able to essentially modify or build a curriculum, right? And then the second way is we're taking all of that job data and we're using that to improve our algorithm to match that up with the right candidates as they go through the game. Yeah, definitely sounds like something the uh, the high school video game club should be looking at. And really, the high school should be probably looking at it overall, but step one is probably into those video game clubs and get them uh, trying it out and uh, learning and playing and instead of just playing Fortnite. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yes. My goodness. Yeah. Yeah. If you're... Look, there is a chance you, you could make millions of dollars playing Fortnite. It's pretty low. And if you're not making millions of dollars playing Fortnite, you're making zero. If you uh, learn cybersecurity skills and you play cybersecurity games, uh, you might make millions of dollars. You might also make a, a really nice salary and uh, be able to have a, a nice work environment and everything else and, and enjoy your life professionally. So uh, as you guys are, are going on this, so if I'm uh, out there thinking about um, – like from a computer perspective and all these different things, what do I what do I need to have in, in order to be able to to, uh, to get involved and play this as it it moves out of beta and into to open access? So part of the beta process is actually porting the game um, to be able for people to be able to play it both you know to download it on their your systems and then also to be able to play it online right so um you know that's that's another reason why we're still in, in, in private beta so we want to give everybody the opportunity who wants to learn um how to be a cybersecurity professional to be able to play it from anywhere um you know you talked about working with uh, the the schools and you know the universities well so so um to go back to your example about um you know the high schools and and playing the, those um those computer clubs um, not only does the uh, the students or the candidates can go through and play, but essentially their teachers or a coach could play along right uh, play along with them, and then also be able to give them feedback. So I know as it, um, for regular listeners of the program, they I think may have heard Will Garrett from Port San Antonio on here, Jim Pershbach from Port San Antonio, and either Will or Jim, uh, one of the two, uh, mentioned uh, that they're working on a 
the esports arena out there um, at the at Port San Antonio, one of the facilities that are kind of in the drawing and planning stages uh, right now. I mean, is this a, the kind of thing as, as you see what the, they're working on that the uh, Cyber Warrior Network and the, the league that you're setting up could be hosting events in a facility like that? Absolutely. So we'd like to position ourselves essentially to be the first um, competitive esports, you know, cyber warfare esports league, right? Um, you know, none, and not only just focusing on the gameplay, like the Fortnites of the world or whatever yeah. it is, but also to to do good. You know, our mission is to fill to fill these um, you know critical jobs, and we believe that we can attract the right talent and then also be able to do that. Now, you know, there's other competitors out there who've who've tried to do or who are currently doing, and you mentioned you know some of the competitions, but it's all based on you know like you know Linux or some type of you know really just command script right yeah. um and that makes cybersecurity a um a hard for for it to be a um a spectator sport yeah. right so um you know within our immersive gaming platform we believe that we can accomplish that and then you know um you know bring in um, other stakeholders in, into other stakeholders in the ecosystem together right so um you know educators employers um you know certification boards and 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 the players themselves yeah i mean his out there we've we have a whole bunch of uh these games now that are using conventional weapons in conventional land, sea, and air domains, and uh, yeah, there's not a like real immersive uh, 3D type of of game for using cyber weapons in a uh, uh, in the cyberspace. Uh, and uh, I mean, even the the nation states realize that cyberspace is its own domain. NATO has a a a cyber defense center that they've stood up. We've actually had one of the the gentlemen on the program that uh, helped plan and, and bring that up and, and get that uh, off the ground. But yeah, I mean, we're not seeing electronic arts or any of these folks that are putting out the uh, conventional war games are not working on cyber war games yet. No, no. And, um, you know, the our partners with this game, you know, they're their backstory, um, you know, and this is essentially, um, you know, their third iteration, right? So they, they've created these immersive um, uh, games and it's, and essentially they've created seasons, right? Yeah. So it's constantly evolving, but to their core, they are a marketing and storytelling company, right? So they've, they've created really immersive um, and captivating videos um, that go along with the storylines and then, you know, um, dumped in a whole bunch of AI, you know, so it's it really it really walks the the player through the environment and you feel like you're you're, you know, part part of the team or just part of the mission and really doing what you're doing. So it's very captivating and it's a little bit addictive, to be quite honest. I, I lost an entire weekend on it. My wife wasn't very happy about that. Yeah. But, you know, I started playing that thing and could not put it away. Yeah. So you're listening to 1200 WAI. This is Cyber Talk Radio, and I'm talking with uh, Nigel LeBlanc about the Cyber Warrior Network and uh, uh, what they're they're working on now, which is uh, the Cyber Wraith game, which is uh, on its way to becoming uh, hopefully the first uh, cyber warfare competitive gaming league uh, that uh, could hold their first championship maybe over on the uh, West side of San Antonio and Port San Antonio's uh, eSports arena that uh, the team there is is working on getting built right now. So, uh, uh, Nigel, how, uh, one of the things we like to share with uh, our listeners is uh, for folks that end up here on the program uh, that have kind of had a cybersecurity career, made it through to 
um, cybersecurity, uh, entrepreneurship. Um, give uh, them a little bit of a background on how the heck did you get into to this stuff? And I think everyone's got a unique uh, path and a story. And I think hearing those stories helps um, the listeners that are maybe a little bit afraid to go on that journey right now. Um, as they get a chance to hear more backgrounds and stories, they get to hear ones that uh, may give them some hope that they, they could make that that leap uh, as well themselves. So um, when, did, when did cybersecurity become an interest for you? Uh, I think about 2012, 2013. Um, uh, and this is right before I, I kind of uh, moved to Maryland, right? Um, I actually, I had just left um an accelerator called vet transfer that was an accelerator for veterans and that was all the way in milwaukee so i moved to milwaukee for three months and um i had this idea of creating an accelerator for um, cybersecurity startups particularly veteran cybersecurity startups right and i thought what better um place to cultivate talent um right here in san antonio right you have the 24th 25th right yeah so i was a little bit ahead of my time so you know this was before yeah, we've, we've got build sec foundry here now exactly right yeah. and this was before you know the chris garrett's from infoset you know um yeah. uh, of the world right so um and at that time it was called you know that that venture that or that effort was called startup squad right yeah so we tried to do it right here and um, didn't get a whole lot of traction, you know, although, you know, um, uh, Techstars had created a little bit of traction in terms of the, the startup ecosystem, but it just wasn't um, the time. So I moved to Maryland and I actually ended up working with Techstars to try to launch a cyber accelerator in Maryland. Right. Um, and it's it's funny because, you know, when you're on the Beltway, um, you know, once again, before Shark Tank. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, they were they were asking, well, hey, what is this this accelerator thing? You know, you know, we work with with contracts and whatnot. So, yeah, we answer uh, RFPs. Right. And RFQs. Exactly. Right. So um, that didn't work out. And um, I got brought on uh, by the state to work at um, the Department of Business and Economic Development. Um, to essentially be the veteran cyber program manager for the state of Maryland, right? So um, at that time, my job, you know, essentially was to help vets launch businesses and careers within cybersecurity, and then also, you know, kind of promote and build Cyber Maryland, you know. So we helped set up the um, Cyber Maryland conference, cyber conference, and all and all of that. Yeah, there's um, a whole bunch of cybersecurity stuff going on there. For for listeners new, um, San Antonio's got a good amount of cybersecurity activity. That uh, Washington D.C. Metroplex, uh, though, is really the the center of cybersecurity, both on the kind of operations and and R and D side for many things. You you've got folks out in, in Silicon Valley, maybe some in Boston, working on networking devices and services, but uh, for just broad level cybersecurity. Um, there's a ton going on in that Washington DC metro area. Yeah, that the DMV area, which yeah. you know they they've coined Cyber Central, right? Yeah. Or the Cyber I Capital. I can't call it DMV because I think every listener is going to go to the Department of Motor Vehicles. They're not going to yeah. go DC, Maryland, and, and Virginia. Virginia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's no. true. Yeah. So, so for folks up there, that's a bad acronym um, from for cloning your region. <laughs> DFW works Dallas Fort Worth uh, for Texans, and I think everybody all over the whole country probably knows that that metro by its acronym. Yeah, uh, but yeah, the DMV one. Yeah, no, I'll just call it the Washington D.C. metro. I, so, so I, you were up there for a while. Yeah. So um, funny is like within my first week or two weeks working there, right? I was inundated with um, you know calls and emails from vets saying, "Hey." 
I have cybersecurity experience. I'm transitioning or I've transitioned out, but I'm still having a hard time, you know, getting a job. Yeah. So I'm like, what? You know, that doesn't make any sense to me because all of the employers that we're dealing with is like, where's all these great vets we keep hearing about, especially ones with security clearances? We want to hire them. Yeah. All right. So, you know, I mean, I get I forward a batch of, you know, 40, 60 something resumes. And then when I follow up with these with, with these guys and gals, you know, little to none got got interviews or even were hired, you know. And, you know, I used to host startups, you know, out there and, and we talked about transitioning and, and a lot of these and type of stuff. So um, that's how the the interest in terms of the employment side and the skill set side. Yeah. So then we started working with NIST. Right. And NIST has the nice 2.0 framework. So I saw this thing and I'm like, well, you know, here's your answer. Let's yeah. just, you know, let's 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 operationalize the nice 2.0 framework, right? So, um, and that's what we did with CyberWare Network. We took that, um, you know, and that's part of the part of the the core in terms of our matching analytics. You know, obviously there's there's um, some other secret sauce in there, but um, you know, working with NIST and a lot of the organizations, that's what kind of you know fueled the 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 CWN and the, the CyberWare Network mission. Yeah. So before CyberWare and all this stuff, so you were um, active duty mm -hmm. in the U.S. military. Mm -hmm. uh, which branch? Uh, Air Force. Air so Force. I did 10 active and um, my last nine and a half in the reserves. So I'm actually stationed at Lackland. Now, in on the military side, I don't do any so cyber. Are you like an aircraft mechanic or something? No, I'm, I'm, I'm a logistics manager. Logistics manager. Yeah. Okay. So I, I completely different my um than uh, on the um civilian side. Yeah. So so you didn't start off with a, a cybersecurity background. You weren't uh, trying to figure out how to to speed through video games as a kid or anything else. So No. 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 So I I just I I'm fortunate to 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 be accepted and hang out with uh, um people that are a lot more smarter than I, right? Yeah. So my CTO, he's um he's an uh, an army guy and um and it's, it's kind of crazy. Wow, for I the, say the, this. The, yeah, I was to say for Air the Force. for the military folks out there, yeah. we, we just have someone from the Air Force admitted someone from the Army is, is smarter than they are. I was just about to say that, right? Yeah. Yeah, so. I'll say that for you, so you you won't have to get in trouble. <laughs> so um, he's a data scientist and and also does cyber, um, uh, you know, in in his day job, um, and then also um, uh, CIO. He he helped um, launch the first. Um, at that time, they didn't call it um, SOC. They call it um knock network operation center so yeah. he helped launch that he's air force by the way thank yeah. you very much <laughs> and then um the rest of the team so you know we brought on some really cool advisors um you know uh, joe crow who used to be the principal for ascension has probably forgotten more about cyber than um you know all of us combined um he runs our advisory board um, he's a chairman of our advisory board so i just happen to be um you know in the company of some really smart people to help you know create this product yeah no, this is good stuff. So as as you've been working on this and working through it, so uh, a few different iterations, you've run into stuff that's worked, you've found stuff that hasn't worked. Uh, and if, from a, an entrepreneurship perspective, like uh, what gives you the the persistence to to keep to keep going on, working on the mission until you figure out how to accomplish it? Um, it's an emotional roller coaster, um, you know, balancing, you know, it's, you know, work-life balance, but everybody on the team really believes in the mission. Right. Um, and it's really it's really good to hear. Um, obviously, you know, validation is great. But to know that we're impacting, um, you know, lives both on the the employment side when we're helping, you know, so, you know, we've actually went out and helped vets get jobs, 
you know, using some portion of the uh, of the platform, right? Yeah. And then on on the employer side, you know, it's it's great to hear, hey, you know what, this is exactly what we're looking for, or we can use this in this way, and and we find out interesting applications to be able to. Um, segment portions of, of what we're building to go out and serve the community. And then it's also a national security problem, right? Yeah. We're looking at, you know, a shortage of, you know, uh, over a million by 2021, right? That's that's only two years away. Yeah, no, and it's funny as everyone says that there's not really this many cybersecurity jobs out there. Well, uh, I'm uh, the, your host here. I'm a, a believer that companies just don't post the roles because they don't believe they can actually find candidates. And until we can solve this super inefficient labor market problem of matching qualified candidates with employer need and actually getting people that have the attitude and the aptitude to learn the skills they need to be qualified until we, we've got this system running uh, more quickly than it is. And, and the universities and the colleges and the boot camps and the training programs um, work to a certain extent, but I don't think they're identifying all the candidates. People have to self-select in and choose a, a major. I mean, I don't I don't know any of my friends that they, they we who took that skills assessment in high school and the high school counselor came back and said, here's what you should major in in college. I don't know anyone that actually went and majored in what that skill assessment was because it just, that system wasn't working for, for folks. Uh, and maybe it's better these days. I went to high school a long time ago. I have a gray hair in my beard, but um, it feels like that that whole uh, yeah world is is ready to get changed, and as we start to use, see more computing and more artificial intelligent augmented systems, uh, machine learning powered systems out there, uh, we're going to have to be retraining and reskilling millions and maybe tens of millions of workers in the U.S. And we're not going to be doing that through classroom instruction. There's not enough teachers out there to teach 30 million people a new job in a two-year period. Yeah, that's that's just not going to happen. I mean, you know, did you did you look at G.I. Joe growing up? Yeah. Yeah, so their tagline was known as half the battle, right? You know, part of the, the problem with the industry, especially, you know, where we're talking about, um, the, you know, the recruiters and the HR managers, they don't know what they don't know. Yeah. And even some of, uh, of the actual, um, you know, hiring managers, they're just regurgitating these keywords, you know what I'm saying? So um, how do you how do you educate them on what skill sets is actually needed for the job? And then how do you go out and um, find the actual combination of skill sets that would do, you know, essentially, essentially like the Toyota way, the jesting time? Yeah. But then, you know, create this career path, um, you know, to build up upon those sets, those skill sets while these guys and gals are fulfilling these jobs. Yeah. So I, I think what you, what you said was spot on. Yeah, I mean, we've got the combine for sports to be able to figure out how fast you can run, how high you can jump, how how strong you are, all those sorts of things. But there's there's not a combine for the really for any career. Um, I feel like I mean, just cybersecurity is one, but it, it, out there across everywhere else, uh, we don't do as nearly a good a job as as assessing skills and placing people in into job roles uh, that can use their their skills and abilities to the fullest extent uh, anywhere else. I mean, like, I guess this is why um, you've got highly paid coaches and teams and strategists to to play sports, but I don't feel like we, we have that in the, the business world, the same side. And I think that a system like this could really level up uh, how both people enjoy the work that they're doing, um, but then businesses also are able to get people into roles where they get uh, the the most potential out of them. 
Agreed. You know, most employers look at um, a vulnerability or do a vulnerability assessment based on technology and maybe, um, you know, you know, look for the the insider threat. Right. Um, but what I think that um, employers are not taking a look at inside is the actual skills gaps, which creates the vulnerabilities as well. All yeah. right. There's a huge focus on, you know, you know, cyber hygiene and, you know, not picking up a thumb drive and put it into your into. Your, we have all these best practices and policies. But if you want to take a look at it from a data science perspective or an analytical pr perspective, we believe that identifying those skills gaps, doesn't. it's not a black eye. It actually, once you can identify those skill sets, bridge those gaps, now you have a holistic approach of being able to essentially have, you know, um, you know, threat analysis and being able to go out and combat those threats. Yeah. So thank you for uh, joining us on CyberTalk Radio, and I'll uh, look forward to uh, seeing the Cyber Warfare Network uh, kick off out at the eSports Arena uh, in Port San Antonio when it's up and built and running. Yeah, we're, we're excited to, to what's in the future. Thank you again for having us on there. Um, if any of your listeners um, do want to uh, get a free copy of the game, they can go out to cyberwarriornetwork.com. Once again, that's cyberwarriornetwork.com and just, you know, um, feel free to, to download the game and play with it. If anybody wants to hit me up or contact me, just it's Nigel at cyberwarriornetwork.com. And thank you guys so much for being a, a supporter and for not only for us, but for everything in San Antonio. Yeah. You guys, you guys um, showcase all of the talent that's here and we really appreciate it. So yeah. thank you, Brett. No, I mean, the cybersecurity community needs to get out and, and uh, chest dump a little bit and talk about all the great things that we're, we're working on. Um, so that folks know and uh, can learn and, and uh, get involved in uh, those things. If we all sit off in our, our secret quiet bunkers in the corner, no one will know and uh, no one will study it. And then we'll, we'll be back right in the spot we're in right now where there's not enough folks out there to, to do the things we need. If uh, you uh, just uh, tuned in right now, this is CyberTalk Radio. We're wrapping up and uh, check out more on our website at www.cybertalkradio.com. <laughs>